Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello everybody, good evening, welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog. I am Cammy Black. Um, we've got a we've got a packed show for you this evening. There's been some international rugby, which is always good to have a wee chat about. Uh, and we've we've got a, a special guest with us, um, as some of you may see, um, and we'll come to that in a minute. So at the moment, we're live on YouTube, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch. If you're watching live, please get involved in the comments, and we'll pick out the best to read out as the night goes on. Uh, I'm joined this evening. We have John Anderson. Good evening, John. Good evening. We've got Ian here. Good evening, Ian. Hello. And we've got Craig Manson as well. Good evening, Craig. Good evening. Uh, you can get in touch with us, um, podcast at scottishrugbyblog.co.uk on the email. You can go to the blog scottishrugbyblog.co.uk. Uh, we're on Twitter at scottrugbyblog uh, or at scottrugbypod. We're, we're also now on TikTok, um, which I might discuss in the uh, Patreon-only podcast we'll do later on because um, that's, that's utterly warped me now and I've discovered things that a 40-year-old man just shouldn't discover. Um, we might yes. talk about that later on. Speaking of which, um, we do do an extra bonus podcast just for our Patreons um, every week where we kind of talk about things that have annoyed us um, in our Hands in the Ruck section. So you can sign up to that for £3 a month, um, £5 if you want to get in this exclusive Doogie Donnelly Lounge. So that is patreon.com slash Scottish Rugby Podcast, um, and you can get extra bonus content through there. We're going to start this evening. We've got a very special guest with us. We've got Dave Algie from the Rayburn and Utrecht Shield. Good evening, Dave. Thanks for joining us. Cheers. Thanks for having me. That's okay. Um, now, lots of you have probably have seen because the Rayburn, it's picking up a lot of uh, steamness, Dave, on um, particularly on Twitter, the Rayburn and Utrecht Shield. Um, this is, it's a bit, I suppose, like a, I think on the website you describe it as a boxing belt. I think we would probably say like WWE belt. Um, we'll yeah. more in it. Uh, certainly Ian's wheelhouse there. Um, I was going to say it's like when Tyson Fury was going on about who he's the lineal champ. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. he got his title stripped even though he'd beaten Klitschko and all that. Yeah. So I'd say it's more like that. But this, <laughs> Dave, just explain this. So this is this is a kind of an idea for a, a new kind of rugby trophy that traces the winner, the winningest team back to the very first international in, at Rayburn Place. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't exist right now, though the reality or what it tracks does. So if you just take the first international match, it was in 1871 between Scotland and England. It's played at Rayburn Place and Scotland won. So they're your champ, and which is probably quite good news to you guys. Yeah. Uh, and then you, you know, you trace it from there. So they got beaten the following year by England and England took it off of them. It was named after that first, first game. So it's the Rayburn Shield. Utrecht Shield follows the women's game, which was 1982 first match was in Utrecht but you trace it through all that time you know the the Rayburn Shield now has changed hands over 200 times uh and there's some really interesting bits that you see you know where we were talking about it before we went on air Romania held it in the mid 80s which is unimaginable 
to have Romania holding a world rugby title, but they have. Um, we should, we right should just now, mention. We should just mention the reason that Romania won it though was because they lost it to Scotland. <laughs> they lost to Scotland. Lost it to Romania, I should say, in in the eighties. We might I kind of feel like I, having read up on Romanian rugby in the eighties, and I want to do a bonus podcast <clears throat> just talking about communism and rugby in the eighties in Romania. <laughs> um, do we need to bring it back for for a stronger Romanian team? I that, think so. Yeah, I mean that that seems to be the way the way to go is to get a, a, bring a, back a, the a ruthless a ruthless communist dictator who's willing to bankroll rugby uh, by kind of giving all the flankers jobs as bodyguards in his own personal army. That seems to be the way. Great hasn't worked teams. for the Russian national team as yet. So <laughs> well, we'll see. Um, so yeah, but it isn't like you said, David. It, and it, so, how many teams have won it in total then over that yeah, time? Yeah. So. So you've got quite a few teams. I think it, it comes to through to twelve now, um, you know. And you're looking at some teams you wouldn't s- s- expect. So you know, Romania, but Samoa have held it as well. Japan, but I think the greatest thing about it is that you don't quite know where it's going next. So I, I'm a Kiwi. I live in England now, but this year I really hope that New Zealand were going to get a shot at it because the Springboks held it at the start of the year. They won it during the World Cup, and I was like, surely they're going to keep it until they meet us in the Rugby Championship. But they lost it to Australia, who continue to hold it. They've got five games in a row. So I'm sitting over here. The All Blacks haven't held it since 2018, going, come on, man. I run the Shield, and it's, it's just me. There's no big company behind it or anything. I just I just believe. Um, so, so that's the kind of fun of it. And, of course, you've got this, like, international prize, which doesn't need any additional fixtures. So where there's all these issues of how we're going to fit in extra games, well, there's, there's none of that with the Rayburn and the Utrecht Shield because it just goes along with what you've got coming. And if you imagine that you're an All Black right now and you might have two, three years in the team, you haven't got a shot. You haven't even got a, an, a, a chance to play for the Rayburn Shield if you knew about it. You'd be itching. When the time comes, you'd be well up for it. Same with your Scottish boys. They last held it in 2018. They took it off of England and the Six Nations. They lost it the next week to the Irish. But I think Two weeks. Important. We held it, Dave. No, two, two, 14 <laughs> days. <but> two <laughs> weeks. <laughs> two weeks. Two weeks. There you go. So let's not do it in matches. Let's, actually, we want to go by days. The Springboks are the champs. They held it through both world wars. They... um. You, you don't want the Springboks to hold the shield because you'll get a world war or pandemic. That seems to be how it works. <laughs> I was you know. going to say there wasn't, a, thankfully someone won it off them before they had stopped playing rugby in the eighties. Cause yeah. of the issue. Yeah. Cause Could of, have been a long time. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. So it's, but you know, it's that thing of you kind of like as a player, if they knew about it, if they understood it, um, there's that excitement. I think for Kiwis, it's a bit more, they make that connect because we've got something called the Renfrewly shield in New Zealand. That's played in our provincial game. And that you have to defend only when you're away, whereas the Rayburn Shield, you just if you're playing, you're defending. Um, but that, that connect and that excitement and that passion links in. And so all I want to do is get the fans on board. And then in the long term, World Rugby will have no choice but to recognise it. Um, yeah. You know, so we'll start with the fans and World Rugby can follow. And, and you're here tonight because obviously um, we're up against the holders at the weekend, wow. Australia. Um John, I mean, that's quite exciting to kind of have. I think there's some kind of made-up trophy that we play Australia for. I yeah. can't remember what it is. There's like, a, is it like a vase? It's like a vase we play them for. I, I, do you know, like we we make up we make up trophies for all these fixtures these days, and it's actually nice to have a concept for a made-up trophy. Like, yeah. I like the idea of having a concept to be like, all oh, right, so that's what it's actually for, um, and I think fans will get on board with that much more than. You know the usual. What was the? I always remember the England. It was the England Autumn Internationals a few years ago, and it was at the 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 Pilter Cup or something nonsense, and it was like named after a 
employment insurance company and you're like that means nothing nothing and they're holding it like way we won a trophy yay chalk yeah. on guys yeah. um let's let's get a proper a proper cup to to play for it's the cup yeah and it looks yeah. it looks like something uh that you you put your nan's ashes in <laughs> cup. it's like a small glass it's like a small glass thing with a lid on um oh imagine so- if you guys win this weekend you can legitimately say that you're at the end of a line of winners from the birth of the international game. Yeah, like, and that's legitimately. What's, you'd and be that's like, what's nice about it, yeah. It's, yeah but then we're probably going to lose it to the South Africans. <laughs> I don't, well, I think it would be more Scottish to lose it to Japan. Yeah. Who then don't have, and I checked this, Japan then don't have any fixtures set up no, post, post the autumn. So it could just, it, Japan could hold it to the World Cup the way things are going. Well, because Springboks didn't play after the World Cup for basically two years. So yeah. I sat there twiddling my thumbs. And same with the Black Ferns, who held the Utrecht Shield. So for two years, I was like, I don't have much content to talk about here. <laughs> you know, it's really <laughs> tricky. So I've got to be honest, if it goes to the Six Nations, that would probably be quite handy for me, you know. <laughs> yeah, we're seeing on the, the site that the, the Springboks had held it for 694 days over the pandemic yeah. since the World Cup. It was like... I mean, surely, based on Ian's uh, Tyson Fury thing, surely there's like a, you know, a, ma- a mandatory period, and then you have to renounce your title. You know, if you don't, if you <laughs> the, don't the take the challenge. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was seven years during World War Two, so they've right. certainly run it long before. I Isn't think it? that's to be fair. There's that that's that's a legitimate reason for not organising an international game of rugby. <laughs> to be fair, so Dave, this is but this is only kind of capped internationals. So there's not we're not yeah. looking at a prospect where back in the day this could have been lost to Munster or South of Scotland if you know one no, of these teams question. turn up. And, and British and Irish Lions can't win it either. So it, the way I always describe it is, if you could qualify for a Rugby World Cup, you can qualify to win the Rayburn Shield or the Utrecht Shield. Um, you know, and that's because it's kind of the same idea. It's it's all about that national competition. Um, yeah. And the last time it was won by, I think, well, I think Japan have had it a fair few times now, have they? And then yeah, they have. They have. I'm just I'm just having a look back to see um, when they their kind of dates because actually. Um, oh, sorry, I don't have to hand, but Japan definitely held it during the Rugby World Cup, and they also had it in 2013. Yep. I think they took it off of Wales, um, who were they on tour. Indeed, tour. They did indeed. 2013. It was still yeah. a yeah, it was still a capped international, so it counted. But Wales were shy of a few players. Um, uh, Samoa, fam- Samoa won it um, again, and then this is the great thing because then you can tie it to these great fixtures because there's that great fixture between Samoa and um, Wales in the 99 World Cup. So yeah. then World Cup, yeah, that's right. So and and, yeah, and yeah. Samoa won it. We won. It. We then took it back from Samoa, and then we lost. It, promptly lost it to New Zealand within the space of the World Cup. <laughs> oh, it does. It does go on a journey sometimes at the Rugby World Cups. But that's actually the nice thing is it often comes together with the Rugby World Cup. And so you know, people are often going, "Oh, you've got your world champs," and like your world champions are always your world champions. The Springboks remain the world champions, but they've sort of lost their title, if you like, of best team. Uh, and so I like to think that. You earn it, and you hold the Rayburn Shield alongside the Rugby World Cup, and then when you lose that, that kind of flitters away, and you're still the world champ or holders, but you know 
Presumably, though, I mean, you could, I'm just thinking, in theory, if you were won your last game at a Rugby World Cup but finished third in your group, which, you know, is not unfamiliar territory for someone like Scotland, um, yes. you then then potentially becomes a separate thing for the World Cup as well. I mean... Well, it very nearly happened, actually. Japan's last group match in the last World Cup, it very nearly they lost it. And still, oh, that one. That, so that, it was, it that, was that, that tight. <laughs> You can imagine, I was sitting there going, oh, come on, just make it out of the group. Come on. Because <laughs> like, I, I didn't care about the teams. I just wanted the shield to go further. That wasn't a commonly shared sentiment here, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, lads. I'm sorry. Bigger priorities over here. <clears throat> so, so the other side of this is obviously we've got, and, and that's the big draw for us this weekend. Obviously, we're, we're going to we're, we're off. We're fighting for the Utrecht sh- uh, Shield. Rayburn, yeah. Rayburn Shield, sorry. The, I was going to have, the reason I've got Utrecht on the mic, so that's my next question, the Utrecht Shield yeah. then, which is the women's equivalent. Now, I, yeah. that, that was interesting to me that the first international women's game of rugby was only in 1984. In, yeah, really recent, was, hey? was it Netherlands versus France in Utrecht? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Netherlands and France. France actually won it, um, and they bounced it back and forth a few times. But yeah, I mean, the Netherlands, I think they, they did manage to get it eventually. They got it in 1986, I think it was. Um, but, you know the women's game is so much more recent so you know i look at it sometimes i put together stats for things and it's a lot easier on the utrecht shield because there's a lot of lift data um <laughs> versus the, the rayburn shield but it's um it's really nice and it's interesting england and the black ferns dominate not massively surprisingly um you know and of course i don't know if you saw the black ferns last weekend it was only the 100th test match and mm. england's captain already has 100 tests so it's really interesting. England dominate, but the Blackfern still held it for like eight years at one point. Um, it was just that they played not very many games at that point. They used to turn up to World Cups, smash a few uh, heads together and disappear into the sunset for a while. Um, yeah, yeah, it was interesting because actually I was I was interested to see that Scotland hadn't, hadn't held the Trek Shield. And actually Scotland were pretty decent in the 90s, particularly the Scottish women's team. Um but it's like you say, actually, when you look at the 90s fixtures, it, it, it kind of spent quite a bit of time in the Southern Hemisphere. So that's the interesting yeah, thing. The, yeah, these shields don't get that much of a chance to... Yeah. You, know, you can the, imagine, as a player, if you knew about it, if, you know, that's and that's my aim, is so that the players know, then that moment, it's a bit like the Lions. You know, there's that rarity to it. You don't know if you're going to get your shot. So when you do, you just got to take it. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and that's exciting to me because I love World Cups. I, I love them. I think rugby's at its best when every nation competes for the same prize. But we've got this like four year period in between where it's fun, and, you know, and we're always looking for how do we cross over the nations? Well, this is it, you know, and it'll have a bit of randomness to it. You don't know when you'll get your shot, but when you do, you, the hell, you need to take it because um, you might not get another shot for a while, you know. And I loved it during the rugby championship. I was, uh, I pretend I'm neutral, but I'm not. I'm an all black fan. <laughs> Um, you know, so I was sat there going, come on, just make it to the all black game. We'll take it back. Um, but it just, it missed us, you know? And so I had, I had a real buy-in to other matches because I wanted to see if it would make it to us. Um, you know, and so I've started putting together, you'll see on Twitter, if you, if you follow the Twitter page, you know, a kind of like layout so you can see where the shield might go, you know? So right now there's six different teams that could conceivably hold it by Christmas, um, and actually, it's really interesting looking at, at kind of who all they are. You know, like the Wallabies, obviously, are there. You guys have got it. And then if you win it, you've got to defend it against South Africa and then Japan, you know, whereas... And so it's all of that kind of permutations for how you can get a shot. Yeah. If I'm a Welsh fan, I could get it, you know. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's good, Craig, isn't it? Because I mean, I suppose it celebrates the, the the kind of the uniqueness of Test rugby, doesn't it? Because we rugby is different to other sports in that we have these one-off tests, but to then add this into it that could come along once in a while. I think I think that's that's the big thing is that, you know we all um, we're well we're about to discuss it fairly in a fair amount of detail about how people are incensed by games being played outside the international window and blah this and that and the other and these these games are kind of um, you know not a bit not the best game you're not going to enjoy this you know but having something like that is really interesting and it, and it, and it gets buy-in from the fans and as we know um we're always looking for the buy-in from the fans to get as much um coverage and as much uh um uh, get rugby out to as many people as we possibly can you know yeah well dave, dave we're, we're very excited here we'll be following with interest um obviously as soon as as soon as it dips away now as soon, once we, you know we'll see how the weekend goes yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I was fairly optimistic, but yeah. I say good luck, but I mean, if you then take it and lose it to Japan, I will be pissed. I'll be happy <laughs> to Japan. But guys, like, I need this thing in circulation. So, like, help each other out. One of our fans has said it would be Peak Scotland would be winning on the Saturday, followed by winning through to the Six Nations, only to then lose the Rayburn Shield and Grand Slam bid to Italy, captained by an emergency returning Parisi. That I mean, that's the level of optimism Scotland fans work on. But, but if there's that's one person who deserves, you know, if there's somebody who deserves an international trophy, probably it's Sergio Parisi. I mean, would you actually go like see if Parisi in Italy won it? Would you actually mail them a shield? I, that would actually you'd have to you'd have to uh, go down. The, I'd go down the go down the, the locksmith and see what he's got behind the counter. You know, one of those get, 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 one of, get one of those V ones that you get for you know. You get I, for five or side ones. I, yeah, get a massive replica made and carry him out on it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my Come back with your shoes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, Dave, thank you very much for joining us. We, we wish you all the best for that. We'll support this. I think I think it's a great idea and, you know, hopefully it'll yeah, get some brilliant. legs and we can get some momentum behind it and, and become a thing. But, uh, yeah, thank you very much for joining us, Dave, and we'll, uh, we wish you the best with it. Thanks, Thanks Dave. That's brilliant. Cheers, and, bye. Uh, as I say, Thanks, good luck, but make sure you don't, don't screw it up. Yeah. <laughs> well... <laughs> On that note. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dave. We'll see you again All soon. Right. Bye. Cheers, lads. Cheers, Dave. So, the Rayburn Shield then. That was interesting. Um, That's pretty cool. That is cool, Scott, yeah. Scotland have only ever managed to successfully defend it twice in a row. Just as an aside. So, we, we, are, we are not... We've lost it to Romania and... <laughs> <laughs> And I will just say, I looked up that team, and this is the lineup. The Scotland's lineup on the day. They had David Leslie, Jim Aiken, Alan Tomes, Roy Laidlaw, John Beatty. Um, who else did they have in there? Peter Dodds, Jim Rennick, Keith Robertson, and John Rutherford. So it wasn't. It wasn't a terrible. <laughs> it's it's like, not a scratch team, is it? It's no. a really good side. <laughs> but they were away to Romania. In 1984, and, and in basically, Ceausescu just ploughed his entire budget into rugby union to yeah. try and make them successful as a massive propaganda machine, and employed all of his rugby players as bodyguards. <laughs> and so, then, the, and then, basically, yeah. what the, the what did for Romanian rugby was that as soon as 
you know, the kind of proper national rugby comes along in the World Cup, right? That coincides with the revolution in Romania. <laughs> and everyone just and, and so the entire country just kind of pushes back against the rugby union because it's been seen as the like the it's the, the establishment the, sport exactly yeah. Yeah. you know one of the uh, so, one yeah, of the, yeah. the the greatest ever flanker was shot dead in friendly fire because someone mistook him for a terrorist even though he was the bodyguard for the president wow was it a Georgian Jeez. player that got shot by Somebody yeah. from the union a couple of years ago. That was pri- someone like. walked into the Georgian Rugby Union headquarters. That was just before they played us before the World Cup, the Rugby World Cup yeah. qualifier. He was it was a former player, I think, on a contract issue. But yeah, but Georgia are similar, I think, because they're bankrolled by the president. They are, yes, mm. they are very ah. much so. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know. people don't like us talking politics in this podcast. <laughs> Maybe they like you know. Well, anyway, um, let's talk about <laughs> Scotland Tonga. We'll we'll do a proper preview of Australia Scotland Monster teams are out in our Only Fins podcast. Um, probably Friday lunchtime. We think we'll we'll, we'll see how the teams go. Uh, we're hoping to try and get a couple of guys from an Australian rugby podcast on with us as well. So that'd be interesting. Um, awesome. We've um, we'll come on to the players in a minute. Um, John, I'll start with you. It it was a scratch Tongan side. I mean, how much can we read into this game? It, I mean, it felt like a training match, if we're honest. Yes. Yeah. At, at times, it looked like a training match against... I mean, you would probably argue even if you were having a training match internally, some of the fitness the fitness levels of some of the Tongan players, given, you know, given the, the, the lack of preparation they've had, lack of coaching they've had, I'm not. I'm not criticising. I'm just saying that the level wasn't up to international rugby level. You know, they'd they'd guys breathing very heavily after 20 minutes, and the last person I've seen do that was Ross Ford over in Japan. <laughs> uh, so, just gotta get a wee dig in there. Uh, so, you know, it, there's not much we can take from it. now. The, the what we can take from it is there was a level of physicality involved from the Tongan side, which um, it's good that the Scotland boys have been exposed to that. It will certainly have jogged a few for those who maybe haven't had as much rugby this season uh, as as they could have. That will certainly have reminded them of the physicality of international rugby, and that will not be a bad thing. But overall, I mean, I, I enjoyed the game, but I don't think we can take anything from it. Yeah, I mean, Ian, you you got pelters off somebody for uh, alleging that the Tongan players had innate ability, um, which I think your point was that you know, despite the fact they had no prep time and their coach was missing because he'd been assaulted, um, they st- they're still very good players. Yeah, because you know, the Islanders, you know, they they're not exactly born for rugby ball in their hand, but they start playing very quickly. So you know, they have. Skills, all right. They're not maybe innate wasn't the right word, but um, they learn from a very young age to play rugby, and you know because they didn't have that cohesion, um, they were easy to deal with. But they still looked threatening. You know that that opening few minutes um, certainly they they caused real problems. Um, and like John said, you know they they pride themselves on their their physicality and their their pace. And they do. They did show that. And like I said, you know, they, you know, they, they did cause us to be we scared here and there. Um, but you know, the lack of fitness, lack of prep, made it made it a walkover in the end. 
Um, but it, you know, it was good for Scotland to uh, get some of the young guys out. Um, especially, you know, J- Jamie Hodgson seemed to be calling the lineouts, and I thought he did exceptionally well in that regard. Um, so you know, it's it's probably good to to get that first cap under their belt, and so they can be right. That's me exposed. I've been playing. I've played in front of what was it, thirty five, forty thousand people? I think uh, were there uh, at the weekend. Uh, odd. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a bigger crowd probably than they've ever played a front of before. Um, so that's worthwhile, um, and also good to get some some combos going. You know, Sam Johnson and Tui Pilotto. You know, I very much doubt they'll start next week, but you know, if something happens to Chris Harris, um, you know, they they play together at Glasgow, but they, they haven't had a lot of time there together. So you know, just that extra extra few minutes helps. Yeah, I suppose the worry for me, Craig, is watching. I'm not sure that Scotland are going to get that as much time on the ball as they had in terms of um, a defence coming at them as they got against Tonga. Because you know there were a couple of times where the pressure was on, but they had there was a lot of thinking time when the ball was coming out the base of the ruck, and that you're not going to get that against an Australia or South Africa. Absolutely not. Um, We we. We were talking uh, earlier, and uh, and 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 I was I was posting on Twitter as well, and it, it just for me, uh, you know, if you're looking at, we were talking about the forwards and 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 who stood out in the forwards, and it was quite difficult to turn, you know, Mish had a really quiet game, but then, you know, the the the, the front row had a had a had a good game, but a quiet game. Xander Ferguson was quiet as well. And it was all because, well, we didn't actually use the forwards that much because we had so much time in the backs. Uh, the backs could could do what they needed to do and go through it. But it, it looked very much, this is going to sound really um, against Tonga because they gave us a huge amount, they gave us a couple of scares, but you could see it almost like a, a training run, you know, like a team run. And they were going through all the all the processes, etc. And it, and it was difficult. Um, I... I they get something out of it, but I don't think uh, Scotland uh, got that much out of it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I suppose because, like, you know, Mish got, what, 40 minutes? Got 40 minutes, subbed at halftime. It's the first mm. time he played since the Lions Tour, so that was... He got one turnover, but he's probably going to compete. You, you, I would be, you know, he, against Australia or South Africa, if he starts, he's going to be competing a hell of a lot more for the ball than he did against Tonga, John. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think um, the turnover he got was uh, in that period that Ian um, Ian pointed out at the start of the game where we maybe coughed up possession a bit too easily and put ourselves under a hell of a lot of pressure in our own, own kind of 22. And Mish sort of just came out and was like, all right, cool, well, I'll sort this out for his boys and got, got over the ball. I think like the type of, again, the type of physicality that Tonga were bringing, that the breakdown, it wasn't it wasn't technical, but it was certainly there was a lot of brute force, and I do wonder if there was an element of, particularly as Mish is going to be key over the next few weeks. You know, it's a case of let's because we know how easy it is just to twist a wee ankle in those breakdowns or just cause yourself a wee bit of harm. Just take him out the road for a bit, and he's had his blow out. He's had his forty minutes, but he'll be absolutely crucial, uh, particularly against Australia. I think the way they play, the battle with him and him and Hooper is going to be going to be absolutely key. Yeah. I mean, we talk about the forwards then. Um, I think, you know, we, we've mentioned Jamie Hodgson there and I think someone on Twitter was saying he's, you know, he's had 26 caps for Edinburgh, but as much as I watch Edinburgh, I hadn't, I, I, you know, I noticed them doing an awful lot, but I think, you know, sometimes locks, they're not required to do an awful lot. 
you know, apart from just kind of lumber around the park and <laughs> jump for the lineup ball occasionally. Do you know what I mean? It's not they don't necessarily get through a lot of noticeable work, but but he was noticeable, I think, against Tonga, not just in the lineout which he was calling, but I thought in the mall. He he was particularly effective because he was the guy in the middle of it, standing there pulling guys in, and and that was and defensively as well. He was the guy stood up in the middle, kind of pull, dragging Tongan players into it, and it's something that we've seen Scott Cummings start to do a little bit. So it's, I suppose it was good to see that we've got got that option now. We've got another young lot coming through that that can kind of compete with Scott Cummings. There's a bit more depth, Craig. Yeah, um, he, he definitely. Well, he's been taught taught well by um, you know. No matter what people say about him, or, or people will uh, maybe disagree a little bit. But Grant Gilchrist is a phenomenal line out and set piece worker um, on the field, and 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 he's been working with Grant Gilchrist for a, a little while with Edinburgh, and he actually was doing the Grant Gilchrist job. Um, uh, you know, in the Tonga game, so your line out control, um, calling your line out, then you're 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 controlling the mall, calling players in which side they're going, pulling them around, etc. So I think, but what where I like him a little bit more um, than Grant Gilchrist is as he's go forward as well when he's got the ball, he's got quite a lot of um, movement and open play. So um, I think um, dare I say it, um, you, you a Cummings. Um, him in partnership with Scott Cummings would be quite an exciting um, uh, second row locks, you know. Yeah, it wasn't just the um, kind of attacking that he got through. He got through a hell of a lot of work in defence as well. Ian. I mean, he, I tried to look. I managed to find some stats on the Autumn Series um, website, which is quite good that they do them because it's, it's quite hard to find these sometimes. But he um, find his tackles made. I think he was double, so eleven tackles and, and none missed. Which again, it's good. That's kind of for a game like this. That that's Johnny Gray levels of tackles. Given that we we were in possession most of the time, it is. But say you know, seeing his tongue, I didn't see a lot of ball. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's a decent work rate. Um, but one thing I will say about Jamie Hodgson is, uh, where did he cut his cloth? Super six. So yes, it is doing its job. <laughs> um, <clears throat> no, he certainly seems a talent, and uh, you know, like Jake was saying. Um, you know, him and Cummings, uh, we are seeing these more mobile locks now. You're, you're, uh, James Ryan's and uh, I can't mean the other Leinster boy that's come through. Ryan Baird, is that his name? I can't remember. There's one of them that's dead fast. Um, absolutely <laughs> skinned the Warriors uh, a couple of years ago. Um, so, yeah, I think there's definite potential there. He's about 23 now. Um, and, you know, if he's learning off Grant Gilchrist and also... No, Ben Toulis, who I've not been the biggest fan of, but he's a damn good line-out operator. You know, if he's learning set pieces off these guys, he's just going to get better and better. And then, you know, if you add an athleticism to that, he could be a star in the making. But you know, well, the fact that we've got we're missing a few folk, he may end up being um, he might start on mm-hmm. uh, Sunday, or he, he can certainly be cover on the bench. Yeah, and um, Pierre Schumann, John. I think you know. He, I, I don't think it was beyond a doubt that he was going to be up to standard against a team like Tonga. But you know, he he quietly got about his work. I would say it was a, it was a quiet but effective debut. But maybe sometimes that's what you need off your debut. You don't you know? It's a way of easing yourself in 
dipping a toe in the water of international rugby. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I think that's absolutely fair. I think sometimes we've seen, if we think back at the the um, the echelons of Scottish debuts, we've not necessarily seen that many steady, you know, unspectacular but steady debuts. And I think yeah, yeah, he done he done what he does. Scrum was pretty solid. Again, you can't really take much away from it, but he got about some work. He got his try, obviously. It was a couple of decent carries. I mean, he'd done everything you would expect to see from Pierre Schumann. I think, you know, certainly the team, uh, Sutherland obviously being, you know, we've, we've not covered it yet, but Sutherland obviously is a way back to uh, to the, the fake Warriors um, to, to rest up, uh, having, having uh, he's got an injury. So Schumann, Schumann will be first choice now, and I've got no problem with that. And I think it will do him good. He'll get, he'll find his feet against you know three, three very decent sides coming up. And let, let's see. I think he, I think we're all confident he's international class. But proof's in the pudding. Yeah, I think you're doing him a slight disservice. I was just about. Uh, to, I was going to interrupt you. I could see. I could see Craig's. I could see Craig's. I could see Craig's face. I remember. Slowly. Um, there was one. There was one really big carry in the first half and one in the second just before he went off. Yeah. Um, you know, of all the forwards. Except like Craig was saying, you know, Xander was quiet. And I, when I was watching it back today, I was like, yeah, Xander's not really... Well, in terms of, you know, we use him quite a lot, sort of close squatters. Uh, it seemed to be Schumann taking the, the lead on that and he made a couple of big thumping hits and, you know, this was through big lads. Um, so I, I think it was an impressive debut um, rather than... And, and no, I'd, I'd, I'd also, sorry, sorry, carry on, Ian. Sorry, no, 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 I was, I was just going to say, you know, it's uh, impressive rather than just sort of quiet, sort of, you know, uh, certainly above average, I'd say. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I guess that's what I'm getting. I'm not, I wasn't saying, <clears> I, I wasn't saying that he, he did badly or anything. It, it was just, it, it was an effective debut, I guess is what I'm saying. He did, he did yeah. some carries, he did some, he, he, he put in some big hits. He took his try extremely well to get his body in that position. It was it was efficient. That's that's all I'm saying. Do you know it wasn't like kind of he didn't get on there and and it's hard, I suppose, for a prop. You know, you know, a prop's never going to come on and set the header light, are they? But uh, it, well, I think I think what? you obviously haven't seen me come on the field to be perfectly <laughs> honest. Um, no, uh, to be to be to be fair, um, I think if you get if you if it's your debut in front of a crowd. Um, for an international team, and you get you take away your first try on your first debut. I think it's an impressive start. Yeah. I also what I would say is, um, uh, Pierre Schumann, am I right in saying gave no penalties away? Nope. Um, within that, within the game as well, um, which is impressive again, considering he's he's usually between six and eight penalties a game and uh, when he <laughs> when he plays Fredra, that's that's I'm being I'm being disingenuous here because he, he, he will give up a cut, you know, it's usually a scrum penalty or something like that with just um depending on who he's up against. But no, I, I I would say he was one you know, if we're looking at the standout players and I'm sure we'll talk about the backs, etc. But he was one of the standout players I felt on the day. Um I, I think out of a quiet forward pack, um Hodgson, Schumann uh, Jamie Ritchie all had impressive games, and uh, and I think um, you know, no, dis- I'm not trying to just, I'm not disagreeing with you just because I'm disagreeing with you and you're Glasgow and I'm Edinburgh. I'm just, I, I just disagree with you. I think, I think you know, being a being a prop, I was uh, quite impressed by him. Plus, I'm, a, you know, obviously, I, I love him a bit. 
Do you have the? Do you still have the? That's your Cami. How many scrums was there? Uh, scrums. Let me go. Let's go to the. Scotland didn't make a handle on here until like the thirtieth minute or something yeah, like that. Yeah. The I, I think the scrums start to one of these ones where everyone won the. Ro- I mean, the scrums were good. Um, where we go? I find the right open play. There, I tell you something. There, there are there are nightmare to read the stats. Set piece, <laughs> scrum one. What well, this is the problem with scrums, right? Is that it shows every hundred percent of scrums won, but um, the Tonga conceded two scrum penalties. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that that's the fact that the two penalties were you know there were two penalties conceded is is a good sign. They'll come up against a test, and that's. I know people will be upset that we're going to say it's only Tonga, but I think we have to say it's only Tonga, and it's only a Tongan side like we've already mentioned who didn't have their best players there. We're we're a pretty much scratch side with a thrown together coaching team, and we have to take that into account. The the replacement hooker arrived on the Thursday night, and then had Mm. to come on in twenty nine minutes and had to play. It's the top you know. Tonga barbarian second fifteen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, like, like I, I know it does sound harsh to say it's only Tonga, but I, we're not actually saying it's only Tonga. We're saying it is a severely depleted, mm. severely handicapped Tonga that we come up against. They had players turning up like the night before the captain's run and being put up, put on the bench, and then having to play most of the game. It's it's not. It's not harsh to say that we should be pumping 60 points past a team like that because we are a very well-drilled team. We've had our players yeah. in camp for you know weeks on end. Yeah. There, there's no disrespect there. It's it's fact. Yeah. So, I mean, I know, like I said, I think Pierre Schumann had a good game. I'm not saying he didn't. It just maybe wasn't spectacular, but that's fine. That That's what you, well, I think that's what you need in your national day. He's got to try, like you said, Craig, he did a couple of big carries. That's great that he did that. Um, and elsewhere in the fours, like Jamie Ritchie was exceptional. Jamie Ritchie was superb, as always. Superb, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. I really that, like that offload. Oh, oh, filth, <laughs> filth. Oh. He's still my beating heart. You, that, I don't that, know. You find. Right. I tell you what. You back in my day, you'd find that that offload down the back of a bush down some railway sidings. It was so funny. <laughs> If you're in the video shop, you're having to go through a curtain. You know? yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You have to take the plastic off the, off the cover. Um, <laughs> what really impressed me was his communication with the referee. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And actually, I think it works for Jamie Ritchie because I think some of the things in the past he's suffered with is, is losing the head. Yeah. When he's when he's focused and he's you know it, I mean you know we all know the, the the punch when he got smashed in the face against France for winding up the his opposition number and getting them red carded, but there have been times when Jamie Ritchie's lost it so to speak and has maybe overplayed a little bit. Yeah. And I think the captain's role suits him in that regard because you could the way he was talking to the referee was very mature, level headed. He was asking questions. He wasn't accusing. He wasn't. It was his tone was really neutral, and he was getting a lot back. And I know it's Nick Berry and South Africans have got their views about Nick Berry Craig, but that was a very mature captain's performance, particularly with the regards to the way he managed the referee. Yeah, um, and and it shows 
Um, and this, uh, well, I was going to say this is no disrespect to Stuart Hogg, but uh, I guess it, it's probably going to sound like it. It, it. it shows having someone within the forwards being captain is a very handy, very comfortable thing to do. Um, what I would say is, is just as you, you know, I've always loved a bit of Jamie Ritchie. Um, he's a bit like Xander, where he, he, he likes a bit of niggle and he, he looks he looks as dangerous as he as he. He looks dangerous when he ha- when he's got his gander up and he's 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 wanting a bit of niggle, but actually, just as you say, it suited him the captaincy or the vice or the co-captaincy, um, and I think he wanted to perform and sh- and pull the team forward on 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 Saturday, uh, and it showed. And um, yeah, I was really impressed with him. Really impressed with him. Yeah. Anybody else from the forwards, John, from you that stand out or this the bench? Just I would just give a big kudos to Nick Haining for coming on uh, at outside centre. <laughs> Doing all right. I thought he thought he, he took his try very well uh, for a guy who again hasn't played any rugby this season. I don't believe. Um, so came on and done his thing. Uh, Jamie Lyle said in commentary it was his first game since March, which I yeah. take to be the, the victory over France. Nick Feeney was a funny one because, again, that, that felt like the kind of performance that he's he, 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 I thought he carried really well. He took his try well. I think Nick Haining has the, has the potential to be a very good eight for Scotland. But but it's about consistency. That that first Ireland game he played, you know, he was he was superb in that game. I think he that France game again. He you know you mentioned the last game he played again. I thought he was superb in that game. There's been a couple of games though, I think where he's maybe been a bit quiet or subdued. And I just wonder whether or not it's a there's a bit of a Chris Harris effect going on here that actually Nick Haining might have found his feet in international rugby. Yeah, I think as well. He you know he's behind Bill Mata in the pecking order. Um, for his preferred position, um, so you know maybe with a, a, a better run of games, um, he could maybe find a bit more consistency. You know, if we only really see him in internationals, you just drop him in. You're kind of wait to see what happens. But he has usually performed pretty well. Um, I think there was a game against Italy in the Open Nations Cup. He wasn't very good. Like he said, he was quiet. But um, so far, he's not really let us down. Um, but it is about getting, you know, if he could, not that I'd wish injury on no matter or anything, but if he could get uh, somehow get ahead of Bill Martha, who is an incredibly good player, um, and show that, yes, he deserves that jersey over Matt Fagerson, um, you know, it, it would be an interesting tussle. I suppose that's the thing, though, Craig. We haven't settled on an eight yet as Scotland. I know Matt Fagerson's probably the guy in possession of the jersey. And although, again, you know, he was somebody that, you look back at the stats; had a hell of a game without necessarily looking like he was having a hell of a game at the time. I think he, like, tw- you know, made a was kind of top the stats for dominant tackles and you know put in some big, actually probably put in some big hits and big carries. It's I, I can't decide whether or not it's we're struggling to find someone to fit an eight jersey, or it's just that we've got so many options; it's hard to settle on someone. Yeah, it's difficult because I I think that there's a mixture of two things. Obviously, you know, apart from the uh, the 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 noise from the the West Coast about um, about Fagerson uh, and 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 the eight number eight, and he's the eight of choice. And now, dare we ever consider anybody else? What 
I he's ruthlessly efficient. He is, you know, he comes onto the pitch and he plays his game. And he, no matter whether it's a Glasgow Warriors game or whether it's a Scotland game, he will do exactly the same thing. He'll come out and give it everything. And he, and and just as you say, Cammy, if you look at if you actually look at his stats, he's actually doing a fairly fairly decent job. Of a very sorry, I'm underplaying him, Ian uh, and 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 John. Um, he is he is doing a very very good job. And I don't, I actually don't have a doubt that he should be Scotland Scotland's number eight. The problem you have is you've got. You've got Haining, you've got Bradbury, and these these like for example Magnus Bradbury. Okay, he's been sent home from the from the squad uh, today or yesterday. He has been very very good for Edinburgh, and he's been one of the people that's keeping Nick Haining off the off the team sheet at eight at, uh, now and then as well. So when he goes to Scotland, he doesn't perform. Whereas Matt Ferguson gives you that performance all the way through. URC and and international and, and Nick Haining slightly slightly similar. He's, when it when it comes to Scotland, he plays very very well. But when he gets when he plays for Edinburgh, he sometimes you'll have again as you've said, you'll have a good game and then he'll have a bad couple of games. And so it, it's just a it's a seesaw on that one. You know? It's interesting, yeah. isn't it, the Bradbury one? Because again, <clears throat> as you rightly say, Craig, he started the season relatively well for Edinburgh. But yet again, he's went into international camp, and yet again, he's been sent home with no game game time. I mean, you think some of the bet, you know, some of the the better Scotland games that we've had over the last few years ha- have have probably featured Bradbury on form. Yeah, and, and that's that's yeah. the problem. There's the rub of it. But Magnus Bradbury has the, you know, you look at that that game, the 2019 Calcutta Cup, yep. the draw. Mm-hmm. You know, the was it 2019? the draw. Yeah. Bradbury had an, 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 an you know an outstanding game, and that you know you look at that game, you say they're Scotland's number eight for the next ten years. But oh yeah, you yeah. know, I, who dropped his form then just dropped off a cliff. Again, it's a consistency thing. Um, with all these guys, um, a, a lot of people like when I saw criticisms of Ferguson, we have to remember it's like. like his first, I think the first couple of times he got cat for Scotland, he got injured within about fifteen minutes. <laughs> <laughs> So he was ever, you know, it took a wee while to to actually, you know, play more than twenty minutes without, you know, without his ankle giving him jip or something like that. Um, but you know, I like you know, I seen weekend week out at Glasgow, and but but more importantly, it was when he was coming up against top class European opposition. You know, your likes of Exeter. I'm not going to say their second name, um, and, and what have you. You know, he put in some absolutely barnstorming Should performances. Yeah, yeah. I, and he is only twenty three. It's worth remembering yeah. that yeah. as well. Yeah, because um, when he broke into the team, like Gregor Townsend said, like, he was still at Glasgow, Townsend, he was like, we, we still don't know what position's going to be his best because he might take a growth spurt and end up being 6'5 right, yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah, we're thinking he was still growing, but potentially be a lock. <laughs> yeah. But I've seen the, the he's too wee to be an international number eight argument. It's like, sorry, but we not all criticising other people for saying that about, you know, the the mish the mighty mish, mm. um, and and you've got like the likes of CJ Stander, who's not the tallest, biggest guy, right? He's barrel chested, but not particularly tall. Um, Sam Simmons, you know, he's about the same weight. Uh, so it's just you know body shapes are changing. You know, we were talking about the locks earlier. You know, it depends on how you want to play. And Scotland want to play fast and quick. And what you'll get from Vegas is 
work great around the park. He's six foot one though. He's six foot one and seventeen stone, right? He's a big lad. He's a big lad. That's big. You know, that's a, that's a good size for for an international. Everybody's what they're all thinking that you should be like Billy Vunapola size. You know, sort of thing, but then you know, he looked quite Billy Vinopola. Well, he, he, he gets too big, like... so, and he gets too big sometimes. Billy Vinopola. But look at can't... the way Scotland are playing, the, the way they're using their eight. You know, there's the start about we, we don't score tries from eight, which is fine. We're obviously using our eight as a defensive, you know, getting through work rate. We're using them as that kind of link man of just absolutely you're carry, 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 churn, 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 tackle, 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 and you need a fit. Boy, to do that, you're not going to get like Vunapola would be 20 minutes in crying for some ice cream at that point. Sorry, no, no, it's just a quick stat here. You know, when Johnny Gray made that like the 42 tackle game against Leinster, yeah, people don't realize Matt Fagerson made 34, which also also put him in the top five of tackles made in a pro 14 match all time. I know that's. And then, and then you, and then you've got the stats of Real Parley's penalties. It's uh, quite, a, quite amazing. Yeah. So, uh... Look, Pal- let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Let's move. Let's move on. Real Parley's job. Rob Parley's job. Lying on the wrong side of the rock. Yeah, my, my theory with that is that Gregor Townsend said, "Look, lads, we need to have a trial of playing with fourteen players. How can we do that? <laughs> we'll bring Rob Parley into the squad." <laughs> We'll definitely have it. We'll definitely have a time period playing with ten minutes if, if Rob's we want if Bob's, some defensive big Bob drills. starting. Let's get big Bob. <laughs> we just see how we'll do with fourteen men for a bit. Um, the backs then, right? So, right, Johnny's not here, so I'm gonna have to change the rules there. I want to talk about Blair Kinghorn, right? Because it's impossible to have a nuanced discussion about Scottish fly halves anymore. Apparently, Johnny's, Johnny's here. Just arrived. Johnny, Johnny heard. <laughs> This is like Candyman. Basically, I said Blair Kinghorn and Johnny McGinty arrived. <laughs> That's what's happened after me. You and I, Johnny, had a discussion about Blair Kinghorn, and I believe I haven't listened back to last week's podcast. When I, some of the reaction on Twitter, I thought, did did I insult his Blair Kinghorn's mother somehow, and not remember? I thought and the you, same thing. And you listened back, and we 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 said he was good. Yeah. Like, yeah, but you double down on Twitter though, Johnny. That's the thing though. It's like I'd see the point if you you have a nice nuanced discussion on uh, on the pod and then on Twitter you just go off on one. That's not Johnny. He was provoked, right? Wait a minute, though. I'm going to let's before anyone starts, we need balance on this podcast. I might pick this up on Patreon, but we're going to have balance on this podcast if nothing else. So I'm going to give everybody one minute each. Of Johnny, John, and Ian to tell me what they thought of Blair Kinghorn. Craig then gets three minutes if he wants it. I get as long as I want because one, I run the podcast, and two, I really don't care either way about Glasgow Ember players. Um, so, uh, Johnny, we're going to start with you. I've got my timer out. You've got one minute. How did Blair Kinghorn get on at fly half? He was fine. I expected him to be fine, and he was fine. And the thing is, that I don't understand is there's no problem with being fine. Probably 35 boys of the 50 and of the 40 in the squad are fine. Fine is all right. I have, I have no problem with it. That's why I expect him to be. I don't understand why everyone thinks he's going to be any better than fine. Fine is what he is as an international player, and that's what he was on Saturday. Right, that's fine. That was 27 seconds. Nobody gets extra time though oh, because of that. I'm, I'm not passing it on. No, it doesn't carry over. Oh. John Blackinghorn. 
distinctly average, boring, um, done some decent things, done some very poor things, missed kicks at goal. Um, you know, again, if Finn had kicked three out of seven, we would he would have been lynched by the fans. So, you know, three out of seven, it was only Tonga. Um, I thought he stood up quite well physically. He also got away with a very cheap shot on uh, one of the, the Tongan boys. So, um, yeah, just a really mixed bag. But, like, he's an emergency option at 10 um, for Scotland. And I, I wouldn't wouldn't ever imagine he'll be anywhere beyond that um, anytime soon. Fine. That was under a minute. Well done, John. Ian? Right. Um, so, uh, first of all... The- See the um, he, he jumped out the line a wee bit for uh, for the, the Tongan and Lucid props break, but his defensive qualities have been criticised not only by me but by Chris Patterson and all sorts as well. Um, other than that, I thought uh, his restarts were exceptional. He gets so much height on a ball, it gave Kyle Stain and Jamie Ritchie plenty to chase. Um, his pass out to McLean was nice and accurate, uh, but we'll talk about McLean later because oft. Um, but he, yes, uh, his kick, his cross kick for Stain's hat trick try, he got a wee bit lucky with the bounce, but it was, you know, it's a sensible kick. Um, I thought he kicked his penalties from hand going to touch. Uh, he got, you know, he's got a fair length of boot on him. He did that well. Um, yeah, he was, he was pretty good, you know. But, but he's not going to be ten. I mean, Mike Blair's only just said a couple of weeks ago that he sees him as a vile option, and that's because Edinburgh. Are, bereft there because uh, John Lanson uh, didn't get his sport permit last year. Am I over time yet? No, you've got 10 seconds. All right. Um, oh, he, he nearly got an upset pass, but you know, he, he played well. Um, I prefer him from further back because you know, he can run from deep. Um, That's a mutant you now. Your time's up. <laughs> <laughs> Craig, Blair Kinghorn. Blair Kinghorn. Um I agree with some of the things that have been said. I think um, Blair is a combination of three players. Um, they've brought him into ten. Um, they've given him the he plays he plays on the wing and he plays fullback. Uh, I disagree with John because I think he will be seen on the bench uh, for Scotland because we're going to probably be playing a six-two split, especially against South Africa, and we're going to need cover for wing ten. And uh, and fullback, um, I think to turn a couple of John's points over, if Finn Russell uh, uh, did something naughty, um, it was never meant. It's never discussed as a cheap shot. Let me think. Tripped someone up while they were while they were running through <laughs> and got sent off. Um, also, if if you know we were just playing Tonga. But if Finn Russell threw that pass to Rufus McLean or kicked that ball across to um, to, to Kyle Stain, there would be replays on Twitter and people would be absolutely watching it and doing something to themselves while they were watching it for regular. So on my side of things, I think it's a... a, a yes, I agree. Uh, Blair Kinghorn is a, has been for some time um, a work in progress. What I think he did on the weekend was... He took control of that backline and he worked the backline, did everything that he's, he was asked to do apart from these kicks. And I think, fair enough, his kicking was awful from the tee, but his kicking from hand and his kick from restarts was very, very good. Um, so I think it's one of those things. He'll never be 
our first start 10, um, unless we've not got anybody, you know, we've not got Finn Russell and we've not got um, uh, Adam Hastings. But on my side of things, I think he did it a lot better than um, many other West Coast fans would probably say he is. Um, I, I think he's a great Edinburgh player and we're really happy to have him. That's fine. You've got a minute left, Craig. Are you happy with I've that? I've got a minute left. I, yeah, I, I'm happy with that. I, I, I don't disagree with a lot of things that have been said. I, I think there's been a lot of people have have been you know stating the fact that yeah, it was just it, it was just Tonga, and I've just stated it when it comes to um, when we started talking about Tonga. But everyone's going nuts about Kyle Stain, and look look at Kyle Stain. Isn't he phenomenal? Yeah, but it's just Tonga, and it was a really 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 low side of Tonga who'd scraped. If you're walking down Princess Street when a Tonga jersey, you'd probably be starting. Um, on the weekend, so uh, you know we 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 can't be quick to judge on that game. Yeah, that's fine. Right, my tuppence worth. <laughs> it was fine. I thought uh, the problem is, and I've always thought, is that Blair Kinghorn shows immense promise, and it's accuracy and mentality. And if they can find a way of sorting that out with him, particularly his decision making. He could be very good. He could even be exceptional because he has all the skills. I don't doubt he's got the skills. He can pass off both hands. I think some of his decision-making, some of his defensive work needs things, but it's it's all fixable. It's just whether or not he's teachable in those things, if that makes sense. Because some of the, you know, he, he threw too many missed passes that gave the Tongan defence too much time to come up. And there was a couple of hospital passes where, the guys he was passing to got absolutely smashed because the defence had too much time to come up. When Ross Thompson came on, and now this is what we don't know. I don't know whether Ross Thompson's just given different instructions because you can never tell. We don't know what's said at the coach, but Ross Thompson was 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 passing to the man outside or inside of him much more rather than going for the long miss passes. Now, whether that's been an instruction from the coaches to do that or whether or not that Ross Thompson's just not trying to overplay it and throw the miss pass all the time, I don't know. But I thought sometimes Blair King on maybe left his other backs exposed a little bit. But these are all none of this is the the kind of you know the the fumbling, the 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 kind of coming out of the defensive line, none none of it is a, a kind of a fundamental lack of skills. It's and and that's Probably where I think, and you've said yourself, Craig. You know, it's probably where Blair King on has been for Scotland, and maybe a little bit for Embra for the last few years. Is he's not lacking the skills to be an exceptional rugby player? The the but there's there's work to be done, and and he's only twenty four, and it's it's all fixable. And actually, looking at it, isn't it great? I think it was only last year on the podcast, you know, that we were saying. You got Finn Russell, Adam Hastings, and then who? You got Jakob van der Volt who can come in, and you know, but he had to be babysat through that entire island match by Stuart Hogg. Mm. And there's no getting away from that. So it was a year ago we we're talking about there's nobody below Adam Hastings, who and, and we're in real trouble. We're basically looking at Stuart Hogg or nobody if that happens. And now we're in a position where actually you go. For me, it's Finn Russell, Adam Hastings, and then either Blair Kinghorn or Ross Thompson, and looking at what happened at the weekend, I can kind of understand why Blair Kinghorn started, because as you say, Craig, you're not going to put Ross Thompson on the bench against Australia and South Africa, 
but Blair Kinghorn has has caps. He's got international caps. He's got experience. So he he makes the bench and he's played ten now, and so he's he offers decent cover. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. I think I think you know um, my own my only concern about Blair Blair Kinghorn, and it has been for some time, um, is that I think he's 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 got a similar attitude to. Um, Finn Russell, and that, that nothing phases him, or he looks outwardly like nothing phases him, but things actually phase him. Whereas Finn Russell does not give; he just goes right. Something's I've done something wrongly. I've, I've thrown a, a, a an intercept try. Damn it! Right, what's next? Whereas I think Blair is one of those players that kind of feeds off the crowd and feeds off. His own, you know, if he does something good, then it, then you know, the minute he kicks a ball, uh, he kicks to try to get get into the into the five, you know, kicks a ball into touch on a, from a penalty, and he misses touch, then that chips away at him, and then it chips. But outwardly, he's all yeah, 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 smiling at everybody. I'm I'm, I'm happy go lucky, but actually, it's chipping away at him inside. So, I think he just, you know, I think it'll be an interesting autumn nations. But one thing I will say is that the Tonga match, what we have seen is we've seen something different from Blair Kinghorn and something that could make him, if we are talking about Scotland squads in the next 20 years' time, we'll be saying, you know, yeah, we had Blair Kinghorn as well who could play in three, four different positions. And, you know, he worked well for Scotland and he got 50 caps, you know. Yeah. yeah. The Scottish Jodie Barrett. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, should we mention uh, in the backs? I mean, Kyle Stainer, you know, obviously got man of the match, but um, I think Rufus McLean's probably the one we want to talk about. Johnny, um, that was a, an exceptional debut, even you know, even given the opposition for someone so young. Yeah, I mean, Tonga or no Tonga, there is still a difference when it comes to playing Test rugby to playing club rugby, and you could see that. I could see like where we were sitting was not the best view. But it was all right. Um, and a couple of the debutants you could see were sort of a little bit slow. Um, would be like looking around momentarily at the breakdown for where they were meant to go. And I saw a couple of them getting pushed around, dragged around. Rufus McLean looked like he'd been doing that for years, like slotted straight in. Didn't really see him have any of that kind of problem. Was up to speed from basically from the word go. And looks like he's, he's more than ready for international rugby, so... And he's a bit like Darcy as well, Craig. I mean, because I mean, Darcy was smashing his rucks as normal, despite he's only been like five foot nothing and weighs like a, a carrier bag, you know. And and Rufus McLean's got that as well as the you know for for small wingers and fullbacks, they they can hit big guys quite hard when they want to. Oh yeah, Darcy's always been a very very strong. You know, he looks almost too strong for 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 how this, for the his size to to strength proportion is quite quite um, is off. You know, you don't expect someone that that you know that small to be so strong. But um, I think he I think Darcy suffered from a bit of a, um, oh my god, what am I going to have to deal with in the eighteen seventy two cup? Um, seeing Walter Fafita just running down the <laughs> ring towards him, um, and he got <laughs> smashed two or three times. And I thought, yeah, I hope Darcy. But he did enough. I think the thing is, but, but he, he did, did enough. Well. He did enough to put yep. him off his stride and just. Give him enough of a knock so that the next guy covering yeah. it'd be no good if that was on the try line. But it, it was the first one that that happened where he, he, it was quite early on in uh, Fafita got loose, smashed Graham, smashed Kinghorn, 
and then it was just like you know it was just bodies strewing everywhere and he's kind of just tripping over people at this point it was magnificent mm-hmm. loved it um but yeah i think i think the only problem you have though is again um who do you not start on the weekend to give rufus mclean start because you know the back three is is a is a you know you've got a british and irish lion you've got another british and irish lion and you've got Darcy Graham, who I feel should be a British and Irish lion. So it's it's a uh, you know I would say you're probably going to see Van der Merwe, you're going to see Hogg, and you're going to see Darcy Graham starting. So uh, uh, you know has he done enough to dis- to to move one of them off the off the wing? I think he comes back in for Japan. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. But I think I think you're right. I think, I, yeah. I, I I don't. I actually struggled, John. I would say I would struggle to see Kyle Stein making. Oh, the squad. Look, the I was I was going to jump in, but so I respect respected Craig's three minutes with the talking baton uh, when he was when he was making his repost to us, and I respected that completely. I am certainly not one of these people who's been sitting saying Kyle Stain is now the greatest thing in the world ever. He scored four tries against a scratch side. Brilliant, right? Cool. He got the beers in afterwards. That's excellent. Well done to him. I think he didn't let anyone down. He done what he does well. His kick chase was good, but is he as good as Darcy Graham? Is he as good as Duhan? No, he's absolutely not. He's he's another option in the back three if we happen to get a few injuries, but he's certainly not, you know, the new the new world class uh, winger that we've been crying out for. I think McLean, actually, for me, it's interesting because McLean, despite the fact he didn't score four tries. I thought McLean was much more interesting than Staney. Certainly, you know, yeah, on hand particularly. Oh, he was just every time he gets the ball, you're you're waiting for that step, and it's the the, the second try he scored. That's oh, honestly, you could watch. I've, I I mean, I'll be honest. I have sat and watched it for like consecutive periods of time, just over and over, and it is dirty. Um, but agreed, you, you don't you don't throw guys necessarily into these. You know, fixtures against Australia, fixtures against South Africa. I think there's no doubt McLean could cope with it, but I don't think he will be called on to do that. I think he'll be back for Japan, uh, and that and that's fine. Um, I think on the positive side, we went from just a couple of years ago suggesting that we had Tommy Seymour coming to the end of his career. We had, you know, we didn't have Duhan. We had Darcy Graham kind of breaking through at that point. Kinghorn was being used on the wing. We had Maitland kind of coming to the end of you know his career as well a wee bit. We, we were quite short in back three options, and now we're probably well a bit more a bit better stacked. We're not, certainly not well stacked, but we're a bit better stacked. Yeah, and another person who can play back three, but was released from squad, Cole Forbes. Yeah, um, yeah. One thing with Stain, Stain can play 13 as well. I remember yeah. I actually said I wanted him at 13 at Warriors, probably because I didn't like the other options yeah. more than anything. <laughs> didn't like Nick. Um, yeah, pretty much. Um, but Rufus McLean, I mean, even from that first try, see just that ridiculous pace. I mean, it is just the, the acceleration, and for the step, you can see it's like he's got kangaroo feet, he just bounces off. And there's no de- when he turns to change direction, there's like no deceleration. No, he was getting he, faster as he was going. He is just raw pace. I would not. I remember a couple of years ago, somebody on Scottish Rugby Forum, they'd like, they'd said they know somebody in Scottish camp, rugby camp. They're like, guess who the fastest player in the camp is? 
and they said it was Kinghorn. Uh, he was slightly faster than Hogg. I think it was over 60 metres. Yeah. If Rufus McLean isn't the fastest guy in that squad now, I will be absolutely amazed. Because not even just these two tries, uh, the one for Stain's hat-trick, when he, we, we had penalty advantage our own line, and he just zoomed in the left wing. Yeah. Uh, Darcy took it on. Kinghorn did that clever kick, uh, cross-kick. Um, I mean, that's thing is, you cannot defend pace like that. No, that's one thing that scares the hell out of people. It's just searing raw pace. And he has that in abundance. Obviously, you know, I'm a big Duhan fan because he has maybe not quite that much pace, but it's not a lot less and just mm. incredible brute strength. Um, so, yeah, he can't drop Duhan. Uh, but McLean is certainly an interesting one to watch. It's a question here um, from uh, Martin Bell says, uh, does this all this mean that Maitland has played his last test? I, I, reckon, t- I, I think reckon that, so. Almost certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Unless it'll break glass in case of emergency. Um, I think if we go 6 2 on Saturday, that it's Kinghorn that makes the bench. And if we go 5 3, it might well be Stain instead of Kinghorn. I see Stain and Hastings if it was a 5 3 and Kinghorn if it's a 6 2. Yeah. Just purely because, like Ian says, Stain is a solid 13 as well. So he's an option for he's an option for centre or back three if we've got a ten on the bench. If we don't, then King Horn's got to do sort of ten, eleven, fourteen, fifteen. I think we'll go five three on Saturday. I, I think, think we'll South Africa we might go six two, but I think we'll uh, go five. Yeah, we'll, we'll be six two against South Africa, but I, I, you know, I, I do agree with you on that one that, that, that we could probably see five three. Um, what well, we'll see, and I, I will see in, in in levels of balance. I wasn't necessarily saying that Stain was was rubbish on the weekend. Anyone oh, that no. can score four international tries on uh, coming back from from some horrendous injuries, you know, you got to remember that, that Kyle Stain um, got his uh, debut what two years ago, two and yeah. a half years ago, you know. So to come back and do something like he did, um, he, he's done he's done a fantastic job, and I, and and I certainly. Just as we've just discussed, you know, if we're sitting there scrape, if we're looking, if we don't have our what I would see are our first choice back three, he has got a very, very good chance to win. But I agree with Johnny, you know, bring him at the centre. He, he, the times that I've seen Nick Gregg in a Scotland shirt, I would probably prefer to see Kyle Stain. <laughs> Speaking of centres, very times briefly, I've seen Nick Gregg in a Glasgow shirt, I prefer. To <laughs> very, very briefly, before we before we 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 uh, we go this week for our. From in for for our non Patreon listeners. Um, speaking of centres, Sioni Tiapolotu, I thought had a had a good game. I thought kind of seemed to have slipped below the radar, and he was involved a lot with the the setup for the tries. He almost got a turnover. I thought he carried well. I, I think I'm, I'm you know I, I'm not all of a sudden decreeing that he's going to be the next thirteen for Scotland because I don't think he's there yet. But he's certainly up to standard, Ian. Yeah, he looks a hell of a prospect. He can play wing as well. Um... You know, strong, fast. Um, you know, but we haven't we haven't seen a great deal of him. But obviously, Townsend must rate him highly if he brings him in that quickly. Um, but no, he, he was very solid. Uh, he, he does look like a good. He does look like a player. He, he looks a, a baller, as we say. Um, but the thing we 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 are now having these options at club level and international level. I mean, the recruitment. Over the summer for Glasgow, I think has been excellent, um, and we still see Josh McKay coming in, um, who by all accounts looks like a, an incredible player. Um, so 
exciting things ahead, hopefully. You could yeah. sell tickets alone for the Josh Mackay Rufus McLean race. <laughs> And, and, and get a cheetah well, involved that, as well. That's why they've got a running track around Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> they get a cheetah like they did with Brian Habana that time. Brian Habana. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's the fastest animal you got? It was a wee shame for Habana as well because, like, obviously, it's like, oh, yeah, racing a cheetah. And then in the 2007 World Cup, he gets absolutely smoked by the USA winger. Absolutely put out to pasture. Sit down, son. You ain't no cheetah. It was absolutely spectacular. Yeah. Anyway, I, on that note, we're going to say goodbye to our... Um, Ian has a point of order. One, one, yeah, go one, one last little bit of news. Um, did you see that the Welsh Rugby Union have uh, said they are going to offer 10 professional contracts to, to uh, women players? Yep. And I think there's going to be another bunch on sort of semi-pro contracts. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask if we'd discuss that before I was here, because that's great no, news. We haven't. I tell you what, that's great news. Scotland should do it. Let's have a rant about it in the Patreon podcast. <laughs> Let's. Let's stick a pin in that. But but we'll say publicly, yes, yeah, Scotland should follow suit. Um, I think that also New Zealand have issued just issued 105 professional contracts to women's players because uh, they've set up a whole tournament. So there we go. The SRU are going to have to do something to keep up. <laughs> Get a finger. Move, SRU. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, that for this week for our uh, non Patreon listeners, we'll say bid you farewell. Um, we'll be back on um, Friday lunchtime with our um, Australia and um, Australia Scotland preview podcast, hopefully, with some special guests. Um, apart from that, we'll be back next week with our review. But for the moment, it's goodbye from me and goodbye from Johnny, John, Craig, and Ian. Bye. Ciao. Bye.